welcome to another episode of Sunrise Apologetics. This is a special episode as we have our first guest, and we do not have uh, one, not two, not three, not even four, but five special guests on this episode. This is actually a recording of a, a small group Bible study, and uh, this is uh, five uh, gentlemen who serve with me at our church, and this is a uh, very uh, kind of exclusive kind of small group where we just meet and discuss personal things and pray. Uh, this is not a recording of the entire episode, as we did not record any of the uh, uh, personal uh, discussions or prayer requests, but this is kind of a discussion about the text of Scripture, and I thought that you all listening would really enjoy it, and uh, we get pretty candid about certain things, and so uh, give it a listen. And, uh, and, you know, we've got a wide group. We have a, there's a PhD student and professor. We have a pastor. We have a school teacher. We have Dollar General warehouse workers. Uh, and, uh, and so it's kind of a wide range of uh, thoughts and, and ideas. So I hope that you enjoy it and uh, give it a listen. Uh, well, guys, uh, I'm glad that you're all with me here tonight. Um, if you would turn to Job chapter 38, and I have three uh, specific texts that I'd like us to look at tonight under one thought. We're all men here, which is like a young guy's small group, and I and I really have been thinking a lot this week about dressing for action and kind of what that means. So, so we have a famous text here in Job 38, starting in verse 1. Job has been asking God questions. He has been beseeching God, why did you let these horrible things happen to me? The death of his children, the destruction of his livelihood. He's left only with his wife, who I think gets a bad rap. That woman lost all her kids and all her livelihood, too. Mm-hmm. You know, she didn't leave Job. She didn't run out on him. <laughs> yeah. You know, so she's struggling, too. I, I think we kind of she gets kind of painted as a devil, almost. Um, but in Job 38, we have this famous text that I love the image. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. So first of all, God's in a tornado. Just start the conversation. <laughs> okay, so like, you know how they say dress for success? God put on a tornado. <laughs> <laughs> to to come, you know, or it says the Bible says a whirlwind, so it's like, is this a hurricane? Is this like the eye of Jupiter, that giant storm swirling for hundreds of years? You know, I love this image of God, just the hurricane speaking, you know, to Job. Verse two: Who is this that darkness darkens counsel by words without knowledge? You are speaking without knowledge, Job. You don't know what you're talking about. A, a dummy. A, a, a dummy. <laughs> and so I feel like that all the time. Yeah. I feel like I'm like, I don't know what I'm talking about, right? Um, you, you guys don't feel that way? I mean, what's what's kind of the consensus there? Kyle, you, 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 you know, called yourself dummy there, but... <laughs> all the time. Are you kidding me? I, the, and the more I know, the more I learn, David might feel this way, the less I know. I mean, the more I learn, the more I realize what an idiot I am. <laughs> like, and I just know nothing. You know, and, and I, that's hard to admit, I think, as guys. One of the closest times that I realized that I know nothing is right after when I usually think, man, I know everything about this. Like, I'm the smartest person about this. <laughs> and I get that little bit of confidence or overconfidence. Like, yeah, I'm good on this. Yeah, like, let's move on to the next thing. I'm great on this. And it's like, well, what about this? And it's like, <laughs> I can remember the time as a young pastor when I thought, I've learned everything about the Bible. <laughs> I, mean, I will admit that arrogance to y'all. Yeah, and, I, and listen, <laughs> and listen, listen. God dealt with me gently on that arrogance. He did not allow the whirlwind to take me out like he could have. Why would you ever think that, Dr. Lord Thomas? Oh, God. <laughs> Lord, help me. I actually am a Lord. <laughs> I, own a, I own an inch of land in Scotland. 
Morgan. <laughs> I don't know if you heard that, Morgan, but Rachel bought us those Christmas gifts. Um, so I, I love this image, and I know Wesley's chomping on the bit a little bit because this is like some of his favorite uh, verses. Verse three: Dress for action like a man. Oh, I love put, that. as the King James. Gird up now, thy loins. Oh, I love like it. Yes, David, David, give us give us the whole reading there. The, 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 from Gird verse up one. now, thy loins, like a man, for I will demand of thee and answer thou me. Oh, I do love the, the old King James sometimes. All right, my, my pitiful little ESV says, "I will question you, and you will make it known to me." Guys, can you? Okay, so sitting in class, or maybe even being at church. Would you ever feel comfortable if if the teacher or the pastor was like, all right, I'm going to start asking y'all some questions, Bible trivia, and you got to demonstrate in front of the entire class, the entire church, your knowledge. Been waiting for this day my whole life. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've done so much Bible trivia. Uh, what, what was it called? Those Bible drills. Bible drills. It's like, literally. Turn to Job 38.3. The only other thing you should have asked was, how many metal chairs can I carry? <laughs> I've been training my whole life. Check it out. I've got six on each Wasn't there like a... There's like a there's three answers that will all, like always guarantee success like God Jesus and what I think and Moses and Moses <laughs> God, God Jesus Moses my cover is like eighty percent of uh, the, like the Sunday school answers yeah. Yeah. God <laughs> Jesus and Moses <laughs> and, or I uh, try to Moses there's no S's it's just Me, T's and H's Moses <laughs> so dress for action like a man. Oh, I love that. And of course, I have a little note, David. Gird up your loins. Literally. Oh, yeah. So I think there is an aspect of God literally telling, uh, let's not be gross, but telling Joe, put on your pants. You big boy. You pants. are not. Yeah. Okay, so not, not being gross, but when you're in bed at night and you're going to sleep, you're not wearing jeans, right? You know, you're not wearing uh, dress pants. You're not wearing clothes you wear out. You're wearing either pajamas or shorts or whatever. And so God's telling him, you're not asleep, Joe. Get up. Put on your clothing. And of course, I'm not in the military, but I'm sure some military guys could, could say that, hey, there's an aspect here of put on your uniform, put on your 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 battle you know, uh, strap gear. Up. Yeah, strap up. you know. So, I mean, I think there's an aspect of dress for action like Look a man. The historical context. So men would wear a different culture, call it chitons, togas, whatever you want to call it. It's essentially a dress. Yeah. Legs don't move too well in dresses. Any kind of how we roll up our sleeves. Yep, they would. How a man would get ready for work is he would take it, wrap it around like a big diaper, yes. and then wrap it around. Yeah, pull it underneath the legs, yeah, and tie legs it around the and waist, around like a diaper. Yeah, because that means I'm getting ready to work. Kind of how we roll up our sleeves. Gotcha. Excellent, mm. excellent, and I love that image because how does that translate spiritually? How do I do that spiritually? I think there's an aspect of, first of all, what am I wearing? Mm-hmm. Am I wearing a piece of clothing that is designed for work? Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of thing. But spiritually, what would that look like? How clean are your clothes? Well, I think it's an aspect of the mind, right? Because spiritually, yeah. in the heart, I'm girding up my loins. I'm dressing for action like a man. So spiritually, that is, I'm going to be, like James says, quick to hear, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I'm going to move with love. But I will also ready to defend what is right by Scripture, not what is tradition or what is false gospel or even heresy. So I think there's an aspect spiritually of gird up your loins by be ready to talk. How many times have you been somewhere and you know you had a little moment where you could have made a witness, you could have mentioned Jesus, you could have you know said something, and you didn't because you were not girded up. And I've been that way so many times. I got my hair cut today, and the lady... 
that was sitting across from me in the little waiting room said, uh, I was talking like, as you do, and I said, yeah, I had COVID, and I, it was mild. And she went, oh, praise God, that's so great. And I was like, oh, this might be a believer here. And so, you know, I started to talk, but then there was a, there was a part of my flesh that was like, I don't want to talk to this lady. Like, you know, like, you know, I just want to play on my phone and, <laughs> you know, and, 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 you know, or even worse, I want to say something about me, not about God. Mm. And then, and then, you know, they called me to get my hair cut. I think there's an aspect of if you're not ready to work, if you're not girded up, you're going to miss those opportunities. Yeah. Absolutely. Huh? Oh, no, I was just, that, that, that's a really good point because, you know, the moment you put down your sword is when something's going to come at you. Oh, or, even the, or, or even the opposite effect of the moment that you're going to be called to do something is the moment you put your head down on the pillow. Well, it's like, have you ever been able to work physical work in flip-flops? Not well. People can be like, oh, yes, I have. I'm like, okay, yeah, but like you were not comfortable, I guarantee you. You know? <laughs> now, yeah, I do think there's... from the guy who plays sports and flip-flops and stuff like that? No. <laughs> you cannot physically do real groundbreaking work in flip-flops. Right. And it's not the same thing as a nice tight sandal or something that, you know, maybe they would have had in these ancient times. But there's an aspect of, like, especially our culture of dress for work and not dress for work. How many times have we showed up somewhere, Kenny, and someone would be like, oh, you're wearing shorts? Because, you know, they're working. They all got blue jeans on, yeah. you know. And, and, and that, I think that's cultural stuff. That's tradition. Well, it's you know? age thing, too. How many people yeah. attending our church would be embarrassed to wear the clothing Jesus and the, the, the disciples were wearing? Yeah. <laughs> 85%. Oh, they wouldn't even. They'd be like. No, they, that's, a, that's They a would call it gay or something. Yeah, that's, that's a dress. Yeah. Right. I wear, I wear no dress. And, and it's just like, you don't have any idea about the, con you know, yeah. all that stuff. And, and, and that is something that I think is so important, is being mindful of this culture Job is in. Now, we mentioned before, and I'm not going to go too deep in the weeds on it, but Job is probably a very early book, mm -hmm. canon-wise. Like, written, I, I think it's, a lot of scholars I've read say Genesis chapter 10 or 12, Job is written around that time. It's pre, it's pre, pre yes, yeah. Yeah. Oral yeah, oral tradition for a while and then, and then written down. Because the Leviathan at the end, what does that look like? I mean, it looks like one of those sea dinosaurs. I don't know what, what the names are. Not the Loch Ness monster. <laughs> Loch Ness monster. Oh, oh, oh my It wasn't in Scotland. So you're saying Joe? Are you saying Joe took place in the Highlands of Scotland? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Now I'm imagining Joe as Mel Gibson from Braveheart. It's it's nasty. He's got a little dirk there, a little dirk knife. I'm imagining Job in plaid now. Alright, so where does where does Job talk? I think it's what chapter is it? Forty? Yeah. Job answered the Lord. I can hear this in a Mel Gibson Scottish accent. You know, behold, I give smoke out. Like he's got Irish Scottish brogue. I love that. From now on, I'm thinking like that. Blue face painted. Yeah. So I think there's there's an aspect of of dress for action like a man. I will question you and you will make it known to me. So not only does God say, I'm going to question you, but I'm going to, I expect an answer. Whew. I can't even like deal with that in my mind right now. Like, like, and especially the question that he asks, because what does he ask? Verse 4, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Now, that's an interesting theological question. Where was my soul at the foundation of the earth? Because you really get into some conceptions of conception. Was my soul created when my physical body was conceived in my mother's womb? Or was it, did God, and he already knew, because he says, I knew you. 
from the foundation of the world, he put the names in the Lamb's Book of Life, so he knew. I mean, I'm going to take the answer from earlier. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I always uh, had the thought that when you were created and when, like, you are being conceived, that's when your soul is being born. And that's what I would, I would lean to. Yeah, that's, that's that how I've always but understood it. But the issue you're dealing with is you have an atemporal God and you're trying to do a timeline. Squeeze. I think mm. the best, that Boethius in the Constellation of Pure Philosophy, he provides us an excellent, well, I have a professor who gave this excellent understanding of the way Boethius talks about it. Uh, he says, think of God as, think of uh, you when you hold your coffee cup. God is outside of the coffee cup. You can, uh, you can see every aspect of the coffee cup because you are outside of it. So God can see all aspects of time as if they are the presence because he's outside of, outside of time. It's awesome. That's actually a really cool theory. Or not theory, but analogy. I like that. Yeah, I love that. So, so where were you? Joe doesn't know. I don't know. <laughs> you know? I've known you since you were here. That was really and it's just like how it relates to you. I would have started knowing you from there because that's when you started. Yeah, I like that. So that's what I told Jeremiah, right? I knit you together in your mother's womb. That's a good point, Morgan. That's, that, that. that's where that guy starts. I've always been here. Yes. So there's no need to be. Oh, what a great point, Morgan. I have God's, I've always been. You know, that kind of I am that I am aspect of God. You know? There's no, I stopped knowing. It's just, I am knowing. Excellent. I like oh, that. that's cool. I am knowing that's so, cool. Here, here is a challenge I think we have. Our inability to know the answer to the question of God does not subtract from our responsibility to dress for action. Mm. Now I really think about the military. Some soldiers train and get dressed for war and have sometimes no idea where they're going to go fight. No answer to the question. Or when. Or when. But it, but it doesn't subtract from their ability or their eagerness to... Go, their readiness. So I, I, I think we actually, I think we mentioned stagnation earlier, I think we actually do it this way. I don't know the answer to the question, so why get ready? Why get ready? Why get ready? I'm not at work today, why get dressed for work? Mm. Right? What? Go ahead. Go, no, no, you're right. no, go ahead. I was going to push back on that. Oh, no, 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 push back. Yeah. Get out of my personal life. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have no uh, no hey, secret knowledge I have of Wesley's work shoes, and I hate them. Uh, they do not go on my feet when I'm not working. They, they represent the toil of the soul. Of the, of the, of the, the bondage. The bondage. <laughs> That's it. Uh, and clothes. Just, clothes I will not wear except for work. Oh, wow. I'm going to second that because when I'm off with DG. Flip-flops are on. I got work flip-flops and yeah, I got to play. No, 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 because no, no, I have to wear closed-toe shoes at work. I wear those 60-plus hours a week. So when I clock out, flip-flops come on. Even when I'm working for my mother, I am wearing flip-flops. Oh, nice. I actually second wow. that. So there is a There is a time of my one-day retirement where I think about only owning dress shoes and flip-flops, not yeah. anything in between. Not work boots. Yeah. You know, not <laughs> like that's it. <laughs> a proverbial feature of swords into plowshares. <laughs> my work boots into flip-flops. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the duality of man. <laughs> the, two, the duality of man. <laughs> dress shoes and flip-flops. <laughs> that's the two sides of church times. <laughs> dress shoes. Florida, right? <laughs> oh, that, that is Floridian. You guys still podcast. Oh my goodness! See, that's that's almost like the Florida like 
choice. You either got dress shoes or work shoes, mm -hmm. which I could say dress shoes, in my opinion, are work shoes. Yeah. <laughs> but and flip flops. Yeah. That's it. Mm -hmm. Got some cross handles. Got me some. You can put them in a four wheel drive. <laughs> Croc, Crocs or a heresy. <laughs> Crocs or a heresy. No. <laughs> The gospel according to pagan way. Yeah, the gospel according to GQ. Crocs are Mormons of shoes. Yes. Oh, okay. Now you're, oh, man. I'm sorry. Oh, that's just mean, right? Edit that. Yeah, yeah. I apologize to any Mormon listeners. Hashtag not sorry, but sorry. Yeah. Yeah. But honestly, what are you doing here? Oh, this is mean. Wesley, you said you wanted to push back though, so I do. I am interested. In I was, I was kind of joking. <laughs> do you, like, I know this is one of your favorite texts. Do you have any? Uh, Joe's my favorite text because of the character of Ellie, which we're not touching on tonight. We're not. I was not planning to. But if you want to, the point that, that just the fact that um, a certain young man came prepared, God didn't say a word to him. God doesn't touch you when you don't need to be touched. Ooh. Ellie shows up and he's like, "Hey guys, I sat my turn and I listened to you babble. Shut up, it's my turn. Says something. Thank God shows up and he's like." Oh yeah, in addition to that. As if he as Yes! Because they couldn't say anything to Elihu, hardly. He's like, look, you're an idiot for this reason. Job, you need to sh shut up before God shows up. And then, <laughs> and God shows up! <laughs> oh, I love that. Elihu's my favorite character. I so, love but, that. Um, All right, I gotta read yeah. this book. No, 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 more, more, more. <laughs> but I just, it was occurring to me, because you're saying, like, he prepared. He stayed prepared. Well, he, listen, listen, he's consistently prepared. He was dressed for action. Yeah, he came, he came prepared to listen, a very humble position. It really is. And he did. Oh, so so real is it my pride that keeps me from I was wondering if it's dressing for action? Maybe, yeah. Ooh. I don't need to. Yeah. Now you're now you're stepping on my, my, well, my we're, we're talking about because <laughs> it's not really talking about we're not talking about physically dressing here. We're talking about motivations. Yes. What Jesus talks about. What 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 what's what's inside Quick you? quick interjection. Yeah, is it the problem with most and we're Southern Baptist, by the way, most of the Baptist churches is it is about I the physical I don't dress? Identify under that. That's right. Christian. Christian. Is it most of the problem with yeah. even our church? People who are more concerned about the dress code. The way it looks, yeah. And I don't mean uh, a dress code of somebody's of nudity. I don't mean like we gotta you know cover yourself. Well, I mean like you're wearing pants and you're a girl. Yeah. Well, type stuff. The man I mean, that's just also Job is dressed appropriately. He's sick. Yes. He has clothes off because he's got sores on his body. Yes. He is dressed appropriately, but the the idea is that, that you're not dressed appropriately. It's like oh hey, your mind's wrong. Yes, <laughs> there's something wrong. wrong. There's something wrong here. So, but but so, it's, it's it's exemplified in the physical because it's poetry, right? So yep. you use a physical thing that I can relate to. I can understand. Oh yeah, put your friggin' pants on. It, it is like, what it means is like, get ready. I'm about to ask you some heavy questions. This is like the uh, climactic moment of a play. Yeah, you know that going back to the the Job as a play theory, mm -hmm. which I love because I love God's the God's the best storyteller. I mean, he invented it, <laughs> but, yeah. no, but his stories are the best. You know, we we just we're just copying with our entertainment. Mm -hmm. You know, oh yeah. Um, I love this though that that he came already dressed, because there have been moments when I have already. Been dressed and been in that moment, like ready to go. Yeah. You know, discussion time. And then there have been moments where I wasn't dressed in my mind. Like, and I wasn't ready to engage. And I've tried to engage. It was like just easily refuted or easily just brushed off. Brushed off. Didn't prepare a spouse in the last minute. Did you say you didn't prepare his spells for that? That's right. So I love that idea. I love. You know, so now let's go to another famous text. Let's go to the armor of God, but with the mindset 
I was actually just thinking about not only the armor of God, but also like the fruit of the spirit, how those like preparing yourself, dressing yourself and being and like not energized, but also providing yourself with the nutrition as well. Ooh, that's uh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, keeping yourself, keeping yourself healthy in a spiritual sense with the fruits of the spirit while also keeping yourself guarded with the armor Are of God. Are you saying I need to be on a, on a, Whole food spiritual diet? A whole, a whole food spiritual diet. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, go spiritually vegan. What's the spiritual keto diet? That's what I want. <laughs> much I just want the meat it's cheese. It's called ESV. That's what the Church of Christ is doing, is that what you're saying? <laughs> I will tell you what, though, there are times they've got the music right. We're all just going to sing. We're not messing around with instruments. I, I, I do get jealous whenever the sound system is messing up. You know? Gregorian chant. Oh, I love it, man. I just want to go full, like, like monk. We we some Latin. Latin. Can we learn some Latin? Like, Latin. In, in no one is sick or dumb. <laughs> I, I speak American. I once uh, read some. I read some Latin one time. We were reading the Crucible at uh, this English class I was teaching, and uh, I read the Latin, and the kids freaked out because their only idea of Latin is from the Conjuring movies, the hard movies. That's the only play the time they've heard now, Latin. I will say, if you read Ecclesiastical Latin. You're a heretic. It's <laughs> Roman Latin or yes, nothing. You're Roman, 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 <laughs> if I hear a hard C, you're all fired. <laughs> now, now, it is not Caesar. It is Kaiser. It is Kaiser. <laughs> now, do you subscribe to the Erastian pronunciation of Greek or the modern with the, the oh, new stuff? No, no. Always Erastian. No. Always Erastian? Okay. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. No, no. Get those, uh, get those uh, sounds. <laughs> yeah. Greek right now. yeah, they are. So I have no idea what they're talking about. <laughs> so, um, so going to Ephesians 6.10... Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. So they're instantly, where's the credit? I mean, yeah, instantly, God, God is the one fighting this war, not you, you know. <laughs> but he puts armor on you. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers. Okay, here we go. All right, we're about to get Pentecostal in here, but, but it's scripture, so I don't know what to do. Hold on. Against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Who's that? Who, who are we fighting this war with? Yeah, yeah. What's the yeah, give, give me the give me the, the syntax. Uh, so you're in chapter six, and specifically for right there, you're in twelve. Yeah, twelve. Mm-hmm. Flesh and blood, rulers. Six yeah, six twelve. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness. I'm more curious about that, like representation of cosmic there, because my first thought against the powers of darkness is, you know, like either the the fall of sin, or even if we're going more like physical senses. Fallen angels. Yeah, demons, I don't think anybody's going to argue that that it's the darkness. There is not the spiritual darkness element of sin. Sure. But but I am interested in like okay, so Revelation obviously has this army. Yeah. That God that God sends the angels to defeat of Satan. Is that army actively working against us now? Ooh. I think it is. Ooh. I think it is the same way you would do little hit and run raids before the main invasion to test the weaknesses of the defense. I think that's what the, the powers of darkness are doing. Cool. Warfare. Yes, I think it is. Some some of that. Well, six twelve. Yeah, six twelve. I I guarantee you, David, that there's not any uh, any uh, of the three hundred twelve words. 
probably there. How often do you have the cosmic darkness <laughs> showing up? It's, uh, yeah, six, Ephesians 6.12. So the, this cosmic power over this present darkness, so if the darkness is present, that means it's here and now with us. What does the Bible say the devil's doing? He's roaming the earth like a roaring lion, seeking who he can devour. And I think he's devoured many. What does he do to Christians? He tempts, right? He tempts the same way he tempted Jesus. So if I'm putting on this whole armor of God, because I'm at war, and we are at spiritual war, this is not, you know, this is not, oh, there's other, there's other denominations and they don't agree with us. No, that's the same side bickering amongst themselves. And I, think, I think the same way the allies of World War II had to band together mm -hmm. to take on the armies they were going to fight, all the different denominations have to band together to take on this darkness. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the things that separate us truly are so minuscule. It is truly the Jehovah's Witnesses and the LDS saints that we truly have a different you know, view. Oh, yeah. That is not the same uh, gospel that, we, that we're both teaching. I mean, it's just not. It's just objectively honest. But the Church of Christ, I mean, come on, we're, we're in the same family. Well, it's like secondary. It's not like main truth yes. that we disagree. It's yeah. like... Worship style and, and, and I, stuff like that that we disagree And with. I have increasingly been, been getting, uh, 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 frankly, disgusted with how secondary things become more the important than the issue. of Christ. Yeah, they become like more important. People giving a big issue because, oh, you go to a Methodist church and not Baptist? Right. right. Are you kidding me? Right. The minuscule When the Methodist church was started by John Wesley, one of the heroes of the Great Awakening, who Baptists love. <laughs> and they love George Whitfield, and he was a five-point Calvinist. <laughs> but they don't you know, so a Spurgeon, but they don't care. Again, it's, it's, it's secondary issues instead of main issues. Yeah, absolutely. I think it really is. I think it is. David, did you have anything you wanted to add there? I know that syntax is actually... No, the syntax is rough. It's rough there. Yeah. Um, but the present darkness, though, I'm reminded of... You, you guys are probably too young for this, but Frank Peretti wrote that book, The Present Darkness. Did you ever hear about I that? I read it. You read it? Yeah. Wesley, did you ever read that? You might, be, you might like that, Frank Peretti. It's old stuff, but you might like it. Present darkness... Uh, I like and the ones about the, the dark. I like the one about the kids. Remember that the family. Mm -hmm. I like that. that those books were good. So, so this, so I need the armor because this present darkness is not just coming; it's here. Verse thirteen. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, and you'll be able to stand, right? And it, the evil day, having done all to stand firm, and then he goes into listing the armor of God. I'm not going to pick out each piece. I think we know, but I'm really interested though in the belt of truth because without the belt and without the truth i don't put on a breastplate i don't have righteousness without truth i don't have shoes for my feet right i don't have readiness i let's see i uh, the shield of faith i can't hold because i'm holding my britches up without my belt everything is everything loose. goes to truth and what are we in a battle for today as christians as bible believing christians what are we in a battle for relative morality and relative truth the idea that, well, that can be your truth, but I can have a different truth, and they can both be accurate and true, is not possible. And historical context. That's fake news. That's <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> Look at historically, I mean, all the movies get this wrong. Every movie, for some reason, has the guys putting on their breastplate first. Yeah. No one puts on their breastplate first. No. First you gird your loins. Yes. Then you put on your belt so you don't have to keep holding your pants up. <laughs> then you do the rest. Yes. And how much of that stuff would sit on the belt? You know, the same way I think soldiers now, how much of it sits, mm -hmm. you know. I know that in the concealed carry classes we've been in, the belt holds everything else oh, up. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love that. The truth is, is the component 
of fighting the spiritual war. And so, so what is truth then? And I think this is where we get into, this is where secondary issues come up. Because what is truth? As a Bible-believing Christian, I say truth is what God says it is. And I believe that by faith. Now, I have been accused, and I, and I know this is an accusation against Christianity, is that circular reasoning. Well, it, it's true because God said it. Well, how do you know that God said it? Well, because it's true. But there is an element, and God never plays a fast one in the Bible. He never tries to trick anybody. He never says, well, you can prove me somehow scientifically. Or, I, you, know, I'll, you know, there'll be a test you can do to prove that I'm real. He never says that. He says, by faith. So what some would call circular reasoning, when you go back to, because I, by faith I believe God is true and what he has spoken is true, that's not circular argument. You have a foundation that is spiritual. Does that make sense what I'm getting at? Your foundation is spiritual. And I've had, I've had it said to me, well, that's circular reasoning. And I'm like, well, I, you know, it's, it's a good accusation, but, but when you trust in spiritual things, when you have faith, it's, it's a foundation laid. And, of course, you only, you only have faith if you have it. You don't. If you don't, you don't. So I, I love this idea of truth being the foundation. What, if Jesus is the truth, what did he say, right? I am, ego, I me. What was the word for truth? Hohoros? Is that the way? Truth. Yeah. No, Aletheia is truth. Aletheia. Yeah, truth. I am truth. Not I have the truth. Not I tell you the truth. I am truth. The very definition of truth comes from Christ. Almost as if he is Webster's Dictionary defining the word. I love that. I love that a lot. It goes back to what we were talking about before of how I am. Like, yeah. just, I, I am the knowledge. I am the way and the yes. truth of life. I am, I am. I create light and darkness. I, I, create I do all these things, yes. Yeah. The, the, the omnipresent power of God. And this is why I am confused by people who, who, they don't want God to be sovereign. They fight against the sovereignty of God. Because I'm like, how do you have a hope of heaven yeah. without God being sovereign? Because what that mean, if, if, if that was true and God was not sovereign, then the devil could win. Yeah, and you're... Lowering God's standards at that point, or lowering God in your head at that point. I think it's 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 not. the the lowering of God by the elevation of self. Mm. Pride issue, if you will. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> always back to the pride issue. Yeah, bring, this whole thing brings them on two very different stories of the Bible. But the first one is the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus tells the disciples, "Just stay awake and pray." Yeah, mm. he doesn't tell them to go and do things. Their only job is stay attentive and engage in the truth. And then also brings to mind Moses when God's going to send him before Pharaoh. And Moses is all topping out of his hand. I don't want to say, I will give you the words. God is not asking, what God is commanding of you is stay ready, know what I have commanded. I'll take care of the rest. Look Mm. at Revelation. The church does nothing. (laughs) God sends uh, Michael the Archangel to do his light work. Yeah. I love that. The <laughs> church does absolutely nothing in Revelation. Your whole job is to be the bride. Oh, okay. That's it. Is to Stay get ready. So, so my job is just bride. like the bride on her wedding day. Her job is to get, get ready. ready. To prepare herself. To dress for action. Mm-hmm. As someone who recently got married, that takes a long time. Yes, it does. That's your only job. Get yeah. ready. Who wrote that song to you, Waiting on the Woman? You know? <laughs> But, 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 but aren't we supposed to be doing that? And how does that look in the church? Mm-hmm. If we truly believe that we're the bride getting ready, I'm, I'm washing myself with the water of the word. I'm, I'm painting my nails. I'm, 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 the hair, how long does the hair take? 
right? I mean, uh, this is one of the reasons I'm, I'm glad I'm not a woman because I don't have the patience. No, it, takes to, to, it takes, you know, it takes that time. And oh gosh, so so her job is just to get ready, and then what? And get ready for ceremony. Ooh, be attentive. Wedding feast. Mm-hmm. Wedding night. The the one becoming one. And what, and what is God going to do with his bride? He's going to become one with her. She will live in his house. She will eat at his feast table. Mm-hmm. And she will worship. You know, they will sing holy, holy, holy forever. Wesley and I, when, when I realized that, we, there was always these discussions, especially years ago. And Wes and I were always like, never involved in the discussion. It was above our pay grade yeah. that directly affected us. Because <laughs> we were the ones playing the music. And it was always just like, what song spiritual? Which one is not? This, these songs are heretical because this church is heretical. And all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And you look at Revelation and what are they singing? To God, holy, holy, holy. And they repeat it, which I love because the, the accusations of contemporary music is repetition. <laughs> and then these, these saints are just repeating, holy, holy, holy. Is Y'all ever heard of infinity? <laughs> There's also people who think you get a mansion and nothing. I'm sorry, I'm version bubble. There is no mansion. That one, that one does get me because I'm like, what text? And, 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 I, and I know they pull from, from certain things about the crown. Yeah, the crown yeah. of glory. And, and the, the jewels added to the crown and all this stuff. But, I mean, I'm just, you you know your job. You should know as a Christian, your job is to worship God. He is making right what went wrong in the garden. Mm-hmm. I, I love I, that. There's always a, there's a very clear difference in a mindset of I need God and God needs me. Mm-hmm. You can tell, like, yes. through being with someone and their fruits of which mindset they God needs me, which leads to what I chose him. I'm the harbinger of my own salvation based on my particular fleeting fancies. Oh, yeah, because Gosh, I, yeah, that, yeah, that mindset is just, in of itself, is flawed. Whether all the different things that branch from it, it all comes down to how do you view like you and your relationship with God. God needs you or you need God. Because I can tell you now, there's one of those that is flawed to its core. <laughs> so we're back to truth now. Yeah. So I don't have the right truth. I don't have my belt on, and my pants have just fallen to the ground. Everything just comes loose because you're missing the key component. One of the youth was just complaining that somebody had tried to pants him at school. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, the embarrassment of that. Well, they all wear basketball shorts all day anyway, so, you know. But the embarrassment of that. The one day wasn't wearing draws. Well, well, think about this. <laughs> <laughs> well, think about this. Somebody does that to you. You can't chase them and get revenge because your pants are around tranquil. That's all you worry about. You're not going anywhere. And I love that. We're back to truth. Mm-hmm. That's why you need your belt. Exactly. And I have all of these uh, armaments so that I can extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one. Right? I go to, toward the end of the, the text here. That the words may be given to me in the opening of my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. Mm-hmm. For which I am, am an ambassador in chains. That I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. The mystery of the gospel. Man, we probably in our flesh hate that term. Well, I know everything there is about the gospel. There's no mystery for me. Remember remember my arrogant self from years ago? All right, I've learned everything about the Bible. There's nothing more to learn. <laughs> it's, like sticking your, it's like sticking your toe in the ocean and being like, I've swum. I, I've, sw- I've done everything there is to do here. <laughs> There's no hidden depths. I don't you feel know. one bit of water, you felt it all. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> I submerged my toe. <laughs> I know all. Gosh, there's like a stingray right offshore ready to stab me. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, but I know the flesh does that because it's elevating itself or trying to to the position of God mm-hmm. to worship itself. Mystery of the gospel. What is the mystery? 
It's a mystery. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. Oh, that's a great that's answer. Let me just leave it right there, right? <laughs> what I was going to say was my mystery is God loves me. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, oh. I, and I don't, yeah. <laughs> oh, that just clicked. He was like, yeah, God loves me. And then it's just like, that's a mystery. We're like, why? Be- it's because like, oh. How he's able to and why and that I mean, you. I mean, people. Great. People commit suicide because of the, their own self hatred, because of hating themselves. Oh yeah. And the depression that comes with that, and I know those horrible things. And it's like, yeah, that's how I've been in my life. But God loves me. Yeah. He took this bride off of the, the out of the whorehouse. And, and and where she was kept in slavery, and he freed her from that and brings her to his house. Oh, I love that image. I love that image. And what's and what's happening now is the washing. We've been saved out of the darkness of slavery, the, the, the spiritual chains, but now we have to be cleansed, we have to be washed. The marks mm-hmm. of death, you know, are still on us. And that's what's being cleansed. I love the idea of the mystery. I'm gonna go historical context. Okay. I love historical <laughs> yes, context. it is. Well you are the you are the reigning PhD student. So. <laughs> we see that at this time in Roman history, so this is an early Roman uh, Empire, they're just coming off the, the glory days of the Republic. Well, in this time in Roman history, cults are all the rage. And they get this from the Greek tradition, where every cult has their mysteries that only the initiated, those who undergo some kind of ritual, yes, the secret are aware to... of. And this is why in the early Roman Empire, Christianity was seen as, okay, there's another cult that you got to do some things, and then you get to know the mysteries. Can I, can I bring up the um, Christians were often accused of uh, cannibalism. Because of the teaching of the Lord's Supper, eat of the flesh and drink the blood, and the fact they were not helped by the fact that Christian women would find abandoned infants in like alleys and in mm-hmm. the trash, would pick them up and take them home and raise them as their own. Mm-hmm. But people on the street would see known Christians taking these abandoned babies, and they were like, they're taking them in to cut them up and eat the flesh and drink the blood. <laughs> yes, exactly. So I, I, I just love that. Because of this great love for an abandoned child, they're being accused of, of infant cannibalism. Which, oh. that's, a, that's a bad thing to be accused that's of. Bad. Bad. Infant cannibalism, that's a... Oh, that's that'll actually a great point. Because that'll that get you canceled real quick. <laughs> that just shows the perversion of the world, like how the world perverts. Things are actually pure by nature. Wasn't that the worst thing I could say about you? Like, Dad, but did you know he eats babies? Yeah, that's <laughs> the worst. Like, that's like the worst insult. That's oh. it, It's like... It's way, way too detailed. <laughs> it's, it's icky. Yeah, it's yeah, icky. yeah. Ew. Oh, oh gosh. <laughs> so, so I, I, I think there's this, this armor coming in, and the armor makes me a soldier that I proclaim the mystery of God. Mm-hmm. So you mean that sometimes I will train and train and train and armor up and gird up, and I won't even know why. Why is this happening to me, God? You ever thought that? You ever prayed that? Why are you letting this happen? And God doesn't answer because it's a mystery. Mm-hmm. But the mystery is of the gospel. What's the word gospel mean, David? Mm-hmm. It's the good, good word, good word is something good for me. This is a good mystery. I love Ooh. that. Go to Second Corinthians. And I think uh, this is where I this is where I ended my notes. I think it's interesting that um, well I'm. Butchering the name because I can't remember it, but the wisest man that ever lived because God gave him wisdom. Solomon. 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 Thank you. Wise, yes, um, none wiser than him. Yeah. 
uh, he got what he wanted. He wanted to know the mysteries. And wasn't he like one of the most miserable men because he knew everything? Yes. Remember the, uh, the four things that even he did not know? Exactly. Understand? Bird flies, the, the bird slithers. And, uh, the uh, snake on a rock. Snake on a rock. Ship at sea. Mm -hmm. And a man and a woman. Yep. A, a man with a maid. He said, we're too wonderful for me. That's some poetry I love right there. Mm. And not just I don't understand it, or not just, oh, I'm contemplating It's too uh -huh. wonderful for me. The joy is so intense, I cannot understand. I just think that's cool. Yeah. Second Corinthians 10.3. Uh, Again, this is our boy Paul. <laughs> he's my boy. Yeah, my boy. yeah he's a boy. Preach <laughs> it, Paul. Preach I, I, I sometimes wonder about sitting with an apostle, you know, just be like, I think I would burst into flame. <laughs> <laughs> just be the hype man, like, yeah, so, so I think one of two things would happen, right? This is only one of two things. If I was in Paul's church, he would either be like, oh, Mr. Thomas, I need you to be on my elder board. Or he'd be like, get out of here, you heretic. Yeah. <laughs> I would just be, I'm, I'm dumb enough. They would be one of the two. I like to think of Paul as Shelly Kagan. He walks in class five minutes late and sits Indian style on top of the desk with no lecture notes. He starts cold calling people. <laughs> <laughs> It's amazing. Five minutes late. There. Okay. Got real quick, I want to tell the story. So I'm sitting at Santa Fe College, 2008. Oh, and um, I'm sitting there in the class. We did not know it, but the class had been canceled because the professor guy had gotten sick. <coughs> the other person, the, like the other professor was supposed to put a note on the door. No note on the door. We're sitting here in class, five minutes, 10 minutes. And we all know 15 minutes, yep. you know, is about to go by, right? It's about to happen. Like I'm about to get out of here. 15 minutes, that's it. And then this 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 uh, very intelligent girl said she was just saying you know well you know it's interesting if the professor has a PhD you have to wait forty five minutes <laughs> I don't know if that's accurate or not yeah, it doesn't sound accurate no. it sounds like a yeah um, but we were all like what no and this country boy in the back and I'm sorry to imitate but this is just how he was and uh, he he literally goes dang old PhD might as well be on time that story is interesting. It's, I think oh. about that all the time. If you're going to have a PhD, you better be on time. Oh, I love that. <laughs> oh. uh, verse 3. For we, though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. You mean it's not about what I get to tell people? Okay. <laughs> it's not about what I get to correct their dress and correct their manners and posture in church? That they got to do the traditions of the church? Church traditions. Okay, so he just argued that it's not physical. I don't think anybody's going to argue against that. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. If the enemy is not physical and the weapons are not physical, why would the strongholds be physical? And so you think about these spiritual strongholds. You know, I think we all have them. I, I have a spiritual stronghold of fleshly things, of... of, of, of of wickedness still in my area, still in my life, and it needs to be besieged, and it needs to be attacked and destroyed. You know, brought down. The very the very stones of its walls brought down and crumbled. And what would that be? For me, it would be like, you know, arrogance. It would be, oh, I know more than you. Or it would be um, um, my, sometimes my the other attribute of my personality, indifference. Like, if you annoy me enough, I'm like, okay, I'm done. Like, no more talk, no more help, you're out. You know, and it's, uh, you can even build upon that even more so because without even realizing it, we're the ones who build that fortress up. And oh. we're the ones who we're the ones laying the foundation you know, and laying those bricks. When you get up in the morning and look in the mirror and go, there's the guy ruining my life. Yeah, right there's, there. there he is. <laughs> there he is. 
You're a little bummer. Wesley thought we meet again. My old adversary. I can hear that Imperial March. Your old so and so. Yeah, there he is, right there. <laughs> that guy. I should have a sign on that right there. The idiot that's going to mess up your day. <laughs> right on the mirror. <laughs> it's my three worst enemies, me, myself, and then I. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the strongholds are spiritual. We know we have them. Verse 5, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when our obedience is complete. Taking thoughts captive, uh, I think it was I think it was Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. who said, I cannot keep thoughts from coming into my mind, just like I can't keep birds from flying over my head. He did, but I can keep them from staying there the same way I would not let birds nest on my head. Oh, that's good. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a great quote. And I, so I think about that a lot. Like, man, I can't I can't stop the temptation, but I can stop me being there with the temptation. Like Joseph fleeing from Potiphar's wife, I'm out of here. <laughs> You know, or sometimes I might have to go to war and destroy that temptation, destroy that opinion, that, what does it say? Lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. Don't we live in a day of lofty opinions? I once had this conversation. Everybody's their own expert. Everybody's their own expert. Based on, I just said it, and I'm me, and how could I be wrong? Yeah. Have you met me? <laughs> have you met me? I just, uh, I, I didn't just talk to you. Years ago, I talked to a young homosexual atheist that was a pretty active member of my student ministry for a while because he was a teenager. His parents made him go to church. Oh, and so he, he couldn't, yeah, he could, but he was honest. We had good discussions. We're, one, we're talking about the existence of God one day. And I said, you have a problem in your atheism because it's religious. And he was like, no, it's not. I'm not religious. I said, yes, you are. I said, can you tell me right now you've been everywhere in the known universe and, or just our galaxy and scientifically tested and proven there is no God? And of course he went, no. And I said, so why do you think there isn't? Well, I just, that's how I think the world is. And I said, so you have an opinion based on your belief. You have no evidence to support. So that means you have a belief based on faith. And I said, my friend, you have a religion. And of the two religions, you have a harder time than I do. Because I don't believe there's one God out there. You have to believe that there's none. Mm. And he really was like, you know, that's, he said, that's a really good point. He said, because until I go out and prove, scientifically, there's no God. I can't say there isn't. And so I think there's an inherent problem in that, those lofty opinions. And, and I know Christians can have these too. And this is where the church really does, gives itself a bad name, with our lofty opinions, right? Because mm. we jump from the gospel of Christ, the mystery of, of good news, to all you homosexuals are wicked, God hates you. Uh, you're not saved. You're not baptized. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Oh, right. How can Christians who have John three sixteen memorized <laughs> reconcile that and say that oh God he just hates all homosexuals none of them could ever could ever enter heaven? It's funny how you know things start opinions. It's funny how our cells start to go more into the religion when we start straying. Yes. Away from Jesus. Is 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 the require is is what keeps me out of heaven? The fact that I have sin, or the fact that I have not put my faith in Jesus Christ. So the sin is not the reason I'm not in heaven, is it? What is it? Sin has kept me from faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Did God say you must get all your sins perfect and corrected and over with before you can enter heaven? 
the no, he said, if I live a long, long, long time. He said, believe, believe in my son. Believe on whom I have sent. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and that, that hope is for, for any sin, homosexual, for two, two heterosexual people sleeping around mm -hmm. in church and getting by. I, I have found in these rural areas that, that parents will almost encourage heterosexual activity so as long as their kids don't turn out gay because they're so afraid yeah. of, of their kid being a homosexual. Yeah, I'm just like, Gay kids around here are a lot nicer than the heteros. Dude, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. There's people that the one that comes to church right now, you know, he, he we can talk, you know, we have discussions. I mean, he, he listens to the sermons. I mean, when I can have a conversation with a kid who believes he's gay and does not really know where he's at with God, doesn't really know if God exists, when I can have civil, interesting, good gospel conversations with him that I can never make headway with certain people who are so stuck in tradition. Six. They can't get out. Yeah. Yeah. I'm dressed right. I look right. I'm at church. In my, most my, ways, it's even more dangerous. My family dangerous. are Christians. Yeah, my, my family, family are Christians. Grandma. In most ways, it's even more dangerous mm -hmm. when they think, oh, I'm doing everything right. I got my checklist out, and all of them are checked. So, because at that point, they stop paying attention. Yeah. Especially to, to the sermons, to the teachings, yes. to the conversations. All the that, growth stopped. Right? The growth it's stagnant. They literally go stagnant, and they stop. The biggest thing, desire. They stop yearning Ooh. for any kind of growth or learning. Okay. And once you lose that desire, or once they, or not that they ever had it, if they don't have that desire, that's when it's really hard to make any headway. Did and I would sometimes question in certain cases, did they ever truly desire God? Exactly. I think they desired aspects of religion in church that helped them. See, that was how I was in high school. I desired the aspects of the, the what made me look like a good kid. Yeah. Mm. Even though I still had wicked desires, wicked thoughts, with all these other things, it made me look good. So that's what I went for. It. I was at I was at a youth pastor summit a couple of years ago, and it was the it was the uh, director I think of intercultural studies. I forget his name. It wasn't it wasn't Nasser. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I can't remember his name. But he was preaching, and he said as a kid. He would never go to church until his best friend was like, told him that, man, like all the cute girls go to our church. And he was like, wait, you mean the hottest girls in our school go to that church? He's a good, good father. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so, it was so funny. Oh, I can't remember his name. Credit to him uh, five years ago. He <laughs> he's a good, yeah, good father. Yeah, he's good, good father. Let's go. <laughs> oh, that's good. And he was, that's why he was at church. Mm -hmm. But he heard the gospel there and then belief and faith. So I think, I think there's a lot of thoughts there. We've certainly covered a lot of ground. But what do you guys think about that? I dress for action because the lofty opinion against God needs to be destroyed. It needs to be worked. It needs to be you know, attacked or defend yourself against. And I can't do that if I'm not dressed for action. So I think there's a lot of spiritual ways there that, that we dress for action. But I, but I just want to add just one for me, which is... The Bible commands in Timothy for preachers to be ready in season and out of season. Are you ever off duty for being a Christian? Nope. That doesn't mean you don't rest. Oh, yeah. But are you ever off duty? Are you ever released from your role? Because Christ, uh, us as Christians, it's not a hat that we take on and off right. and on and off. It's a lifestyle. Whereas it's, at, a, it's a soul change. At everything else I can. My job, right? My sports team, whatever, whatever it is, I can take it off. I can take the shoes off, I can take the hat off, take the belt off. Not me anymore. Not me anymore. If you can take your Christianity off, then you don't really have Christianity. Exactly. You know, 
unless you can pluck your own beating heart out of your chest and set it down on the table and walk away from it, you can't. Yeah. So that's, that's where I'm ending my thoughts about it is that we dress for action because we already should be dressed. You know, what Wesley said earlier, it's the heart. The heart and mind have to be dressed and ready. Mm. And that's kind of where I'm at. And I'm still working on destroying every lofty opinion. That's kind of where I'm at. <laughs> you know, the, lo you the, work with the lofty opinion for, for me right now is that you know, we've got to finish this paper. We've got to finish this dissertation. We've got to finish this stuff. You know, the lofty opinion for Kenny is, man, i got to finish this leadership program and get, get a supervisor position. The lofty opinion for Kyle is buying that house and, and so on and so on. Getting that, getting that new teaching job next fall. You know? Please, Lord. Mm -hmm. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, finishing that, the, the dissertation, career choices in the first place. Do I stay here? Or do I go? This might be better. Maybe I move. All, all those are all lofty opinions. And if they don't glorify the Lord, then they need to be destroyed. Mm. That's kind of where I'm at, fellas. Any any final thoughts on that? Any pushback? My my resident. Uh... <laughs> um, so Kyle, you unlocked an interesting concept to me. And I'm specifically talking about the culture around this place. Sure. That lack of desire to grow anymore. Mm. I've been noticing mm. that a lot, especially working at the school I work at. But mm. the equation, yeah, no names, no names. The equation <laughs> to the rich young ruler became a new thing for me. Ooh. Whenever, because when you're large and in charge, mm -hmm. you you think you got it real good, right? And then you ask, is there any more to this? Where, didn't we talk about that? Yeah. You said at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Before well, we started where, where's more? Yeah, is there, is there more? Rich young yeah. ruler comes asking, is there more? Is there more? Because yeah. he's got it all. He's, he's got rich. It all. He's young, which meant he was good looking. He's done everything, <laughs> he's done everything right. And he's a ruler. He's that young age where you're like, is this it? I've, yeah. I've got everything I want. I've read the Bible. You know, I've, I've, I've fulfilled my part, as you were. What more is there? To man's standards, right? And there is. It always pushes you further. What more can you give up? You know what I mean? Yeah. And, I, yeah, it's like, I don't know. I'm going to pull this one. Sorry, audience that hates this. <laughs> Not whenever, do, whenever, do. whenever your faith and your God is tied directly to your rights to bear arms. Come on! And your government... I think you might need to give up the gun. <laughs> no offense. Let, 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 me, let, me, let, me, let me push back. No, let me push back. Some, as somebody who has one on him right now, seriously. If God is not the authority over my weapon, over my ability to defend myself, I have no ability to defend myself. It's not Absolutely. here. I was like, the, your, the, your faith is in the weapon. Mm -hmm. Yes. Your faith is in your that right. Because you're, your you're giving power to yourself. You've yeah, given, exactly. Yes. You, you, you want control. I'm talking specifically about people that I know. No, 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 right. No names. No, yeah, no, no it's, names. It's very apparent that this... No, but it's they, true. If they don't have their guns, they'll, they'll It is true. <laughs> and I'm saying this yeah. as a gun token Second Amendment. Go back. If God is not the higher authority... Because I don't think you're saying at all that you can't shoot that gun. No, you no, defend yourself. Yeah, that. it's just that some people consider that their idols. But when people but they've got everything else, I'm like at this point, when people are more afraid of guns being taken away from them than they are their Bibles being taken away from them. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Now we've got the problem. Mm -hmm. It's real. This sword, I don't, I care less about than the, than the gun. You know, this Bible, that's a problem. Yeah, it's really good. Of course, how, and I think that's a lofty opinion, isn't it? Yeah. And how many things do we do that with? 
Oh, everything. Because well, yeah. at that point, it, go, it goes back to the Ten Commandments. What are you making an idol before even, God? Even conservatives are, oh, they're all about free speech well, until you're saying something they don't like. Then it's like, oh, you shouldn't be saying that. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, well, wait a minute. What? Oh, that yeah, that's the whole thing with the cancel culture. It's like, look, the, fake news. This is just stuff people say on the internet. Like, it's free speech. It's like, you know, yeah. it's okay. <laughs> yeah. Gosh. I love that quote by Voltaire that isn't actually by Voltaire. I may not agree with what you say, but I'll fight to the death for your right to say. Yes, and, and oh. I, I think Voltaire many Donald. of the founding fathers actually had that mindset. Mm-hmm. That's why we get the first amendment in the first place. Which I, I, I got in trouble. I didn't get in trouble, but you know, were canceled. But I told somebody at Chief High School when they were talking about a Muslim student wanted to have a club, and I said, "Well, she should be allowed to have a club if she wants to." And I got pushback on it. Stupid. I said, if, if Christians are allowed to have a club, then the Muslim girls are allowed to have a club. Exactly. Yeah. That's First Amendment under the Constitution. She has that right. We're not. Now, by even... population, there just aren't that many Muslims. And she went, so yeah, there's not, the, the club wasn't that, she's the only girl, so it's not. We're know. not living in 1600 Scottish where everything's ran by the Pope, right? We can have multiple <laughs> different clubs, guys. It's America. So, but, but, but really, I mean, that's where I was like, from Christians, from good Christians who go to church. Well, look, I mean, we see this as uh, the, very much the mindset of the tradition. How does Paul introduce himself in Hebrews? Because look at me, I'm a Pharisee of yes. Pharisees. Or should we say the author of Hebrews introduces himself? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I'm with you, brother. I think it's I think it's a sermon by Paul written by it's Luke. Paul. Yeah, well, that's uh, Doctor uh, James White's view, and I think he's totally right. Yeah, uh, yeah I really do. That Luke, because he was traveling with Paul in Acts, and it's it, uh, Greek, really, really authentic uh, Greek uh, readers. They say it's Luke's Greek. Mm-hmm. You read Luke. Luke's uh, Luke, Greek is beautiful, by Luke, the way. Luke, Acts, Hebrews. I mean, it's like identical. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm all about that. I think that's right. Y'all forgetting your Sunday school answers. It was G. <laughs> that is awesome. That is awesome. Guys, any other final thoughts? Anybody? Please join in. Um, I really like that idea of different ideals that we put in our lives that are not of God and the imagery of them being fortresses and yes. us building them up ourselves even without even realizing and, it. <laughs> and the, it's, think about it, the higher or more fortified a fortress is, the harder it is to take down and siege. Yes. So because that, the bigger those things in our lives are, the bigger those struggles are, the harder it is to siege. It might even be impossible by ourselves. Well, we need Christ in our lives. Those tools... In order to siege the castle, you can't take down a castle with your bare hands. You need God to help. Oh, that's good. Mm. That's good. You can't take it down with your bare hands. I'm gonna remember that. Yeah. So gotta, that's gotta, just. Are you so saying that I gotta have armor and a sword and a belt? Oh, and... you you almost need to be prepared. <laughs> yeah. Are oh. you saying I need to dress for action? Mm, it's almost. It's almost and a trebuchet. Yes. But uh, yeah, no, this, that that hit me personally because I might have some some fortresses myself that are pretty high that. I might try and take down myself because I feel like I need, I have the power, I should be able to do this, but I need to go to Christ about it. I have the power. I have the power. Excellent, excellent discussion, guys. Any other final thoughts from anybody? Well, I think that is just wonderful. Um, You guys have really blessed my heart tonight. And uh, Mm -hmm. thank you. Good stuff.